This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 41 of Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critter Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, Lizzie Meyer shares experiences and tips on how to deal with poisonous bites. Critter nutrition focuses on poop. Breed of the show is the Cocker Spaniel. And in Coffee Clatch, we choose dog breeds that best fit different musical genres. Boy, I don't know if it's the same in Texas or Virginia or uh, Florida, but it is hotter than Hades here. Oh gosh, <laughs> yeah, it's. Yeah, I live in Houston. Can and I? And humid. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh please. Oh please. It's been well. Yeah, there was predictions that we were going to have a very intensely hot um, summer, but it was going to be quick. But it was going to be hotter than normal, but quick. So that's what I'm banking on. <laughs> and that's what I live for is that truth. <laughs> and I don't want anybody to ruin it. <laughs> Jennifer, is it is it hot? It must be hot in Florida. It's always hot. It, yes, it's hotter in Hades. July and August are the tough ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we're getting up into the real feel index in the triple digits. So it's pretty wicked yeah. out now. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty wicked. Yeah. So dur- when, with your horses now, Tigger... You have retirees at your place, right? Yeah. Do mm-hmm. they just spend all of their time out of doors or do they come in or how do they hang out this time of year? A couple come in um, and have fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the others are out in run-in sheds. And they don't seem to be very – it doesn't seem I, – I, I think in a way they, they just – sort of go within themselves and they go, okay, it's hot and mm-hmm. I'm going to stay out of the sun. But I've, um, you know, when it doesn't seem so hot, I'll want, you know, they'll wander out and eat some grass and then they go back in and, you know, in the hottest part of the day, which is, you know, maybe from three to six, Yeah, that's really the worst. Mm-hmm. And then they are, you know, in there. Now, run in sheds. Do they not go in the moving. sheds or do they prefer the sheds versus the shade of the trees at certain times of the day? Yeah, in the morning they prefer the trees. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. How about your guys, Patty? Because you have competition horses. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so, and of course, um, I'm so neurotic um, about them being in the direct sun, but there, you know, there's some horses that have been here, um, you know, f- for uh, several years that the owners want them out the whole time. Um, which is hard for me, but they really do adapt and they have a tree, you know, trees and whatever. And we also have some sheds, but you know, I, uh, most of my horses are only out, um, you know, like maybe four hours a day, um, this time of year for sure. Some go out all night. That's, we're very big on night turnout, but, um, if they're out during the day, uh, I really don't like them to be out in the 
direct sun that long. But, you know, it's funny. That's what I want. That's what I, that's what I would think they would want. But, you know, show enough, you know, come four o'clock in the afternoon or three o'clock in the afternoon, where are the horses? They're in the middle of the pasture. Nowhere near the shed. No, 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 yeah. And, and they're like, oh, we don't want to come in, you know? So, um, but, uh, yeah, but all, you know, most of mine come in and hang out in front of the, the fans and, you know, is it because here the problem is because it gets so intensely hot. It's very similar to Florida, as I know. But, um, you know, you um, it gets it it just doesn't cool off like at least in Virginia, Tigger, you know, as the it evening cools rolls, off at night. Yeah, it cools off. It does not. Um, it, it stays. You know, I woke up this morning and it was still 83. Oh, oh yeah, that's tough. I don't mind 83. I really don't. I don't mind 83. I don't like 96. No, not a lot. Yeah. No. Not, that's not my favorite. Not but, at all. Um, but so you Jennifer, know, your horses are in stalls during the day. Well, this time or are they of, out? This time of year, we bring them in a little bit as much as anything to get them off the grass. But basically, they live out twenty four seven. And something interesting I've noticed here. Now, I don't know if the rest of the country is like this, but here, um, the horses tend to prefer shade trees to run in sheds. It's all about huh. the shade here because it mm. can be, it can feel 15 degrees cooler in the shade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I yeah, noticed something. Sense. It's not just shade that they're seeking. They seek out specific types of trees. Huh. Oh, they, that's interesting. They stand under the trees with the lowest hanging limbs. Interesting. And the, the, if the limbs are low enough that they actually touch the horse's back, like they love the... There's a particular kind of pine tree here. I'm trying to remember what kind it is. My horses love pines too. Pines and cedars. Oh my Cedar gosh, trees. that's their favorite mm-hmm. they, grove. They hang right underneath, right where the yep. limbs will actually touch their back. Now the paddock that Scooter and Nigel are in, or pasture, doesn't have any of those. It does have lots and lots of granddaddy oaks, which are those giant, enormous things that you see such beautiful pictures of. And the one they choose to stand under is the one that has limbs that are just about touching the ground. And they get mm. right up underneath of those limbs. And I don't know if they can feel a difference in the air temperature there, if there's fewer flies because the limbs get blown around in the wind. I don't know what it is, but that's yeah, what they go for. <laughs> well, you know, one thing I've noticed is um, the, the horses that are in during the day in, in actual stalls with bands, when I turn them out into their night turnout, they make a beeline for the cedars and they rub, they must be getting the cedar oil, even though they're fly sprayed, they like go up in there and get it, get that cedar scent on them. And oh, that must be another kind of yeah, must, repellent. Yeah. Well, I should yeah. think that insects in general are not going to want to hang around that cedar tree. So that would make perfect sense. Yeah, so smart. Yeah. They are yeah. smart. Hmm. Interesting. And I tell you, that horse hydrator, I, I just can't believe how much more they drink. It's, oh, it's, it's, it's really incredible to me. And I have good well water, mm-hmm. but they mm-hmm. drink more. And there's nothing that makes me happier than... Yep, than- to see them drink a lot of water. Amen. Yeah. Well, there you go. A lot of water. There you go. Yeah. Speaking of um, drinking water and staying healthy, our guest coming up here is going to have an interesting story about 
staying healthy. I wonder if hydration has any effect on what she went through. <laughs> That's a good question. That's a really good question. Hmm. Well, why don't we get Let's to talk it? to her and find out. Let's yeah. find out. And we're here with Lizzie Meyer from Whole Horse Consulting. And Lizzie um, has had some interesting experiences with um, scorpion bites. Oh. And um, although that's not as much of a problem here on the East Coast, um, bites, of course, like tick bites and snake bites are pretty common here. So um, I was very excited to have Lizzie come and tell us the things that that she has done to help her body um, more quickly recover, which we can then translate to helping our animals if they get bit as well. So welcome, Lizzie. Thank you. Welcome. So the the floor is yours. Please tell our listeners the stories. Okay. So I'm near San Antonio, Texas, and I've been here for almost three years, but it is scorpion Central. I am learning kind of the hard way. And um, basically, you know, I think we just had hardly any winter and these little creatures are somehow getting into my house. So last June, I forgot, you know, it was the one day that I forgot to shake out my shoes before feeding all the horses and stuck my foot in and of course, I felt this horrible, just just piercing sting in the center of my big toe on my right foot. And this pain just shot up my right side, like up and down. And it was just this burning, and I, I've never fainted in my life, but I had to, like, sit down because I was Ooh. so dizzy. Mm. And then my tongue started tingling, which is kind of hallmark for scorpions, apparently. And then my tongue started swelling. And so I texted my neighbors and said, I may need help. Um, you know, if I, if I, you know, 911 here, um, can you come and, come and help me or call 911 or take me to the, you know, the ER? But that's not exactly convenient where I live. So anyway, I had neighbors on call and it was kind of doing quick thinking because my whole foot was like turning rosy, red and shiny. And it was just throbbing up through my ankle. And, um, so I put it under some cold water and I made this just rinky dink clay poultice because I was out of Traumera. So I put bentonite clay and French green clay and echinacea tincture, which is like an old remedy for venomous um, bites and stings. And um, I put that on my toe and I wrapped it. And it kind of felt good for a few minutes, but didn't really help that much. Then I took some homeopathic, a couple of remedies for stings and bites, but I didn't really have the perfect one for scorpions. So I kind of, you know, I kind of got got through it, but it took several days to really feel normal again. And, um, you know, I knew I wasn't going to die. I just knew it was going to be a painful sort of recovery. So I basically, you know, got through it and thought, man, if I ever get stung again, 
is going to be really bad um, mm. because I'm thinking it's going to be a far worse, worse reaction. Yep. Right? And I, I seriously thought about having, like, a, you know, getting a prescription for an EpiPen, which, you know, may not be a bad idea, but still, um, that was kind of in my mind. And so I got really good about shaking out my shoes and, um, <laughs> like, never missed a day. And then I had a sick goat, and I was sleep-deprived, and it was about a year later. This was last week. And I was walking through the house at night, getting ready to go check on my goat, and bam, I stepped mm. on a scorpion on mm. the rug Ugh. on my other foot. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I immediately take homeopathic echinacea in a very high potency. It was a 10M, which is like the big guns. And I had gotten it to keep in my first aid kit for snake bites and like severe envenomations really for the horses and the dogs and the goats and whatever other critters here. And um, I hadn't even used it. So I took a dose of that and I grabbed the Tromera like within another minute. So this has been like- Okay, so I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but Tromera is a poultice that Biostar makes. Yes, and I am usually never without it. Um, but I was the first time, unfortunately. So I put this, you know, it's great because it's already made. I didn't have to mix anything and try to get the consistency just right. I didn't have to add anything to it. And um, I just generously slathered it on the bottom of um, that toe that was stung. Mm -hmm. And I put some cotton underneath it, and then I vet-wrapped my foot. Just to keep it moist, and um, did you have the tongue thing again, Lizzie? Did the the no, thing? No, I had no. no symptoms, Patty. I had oh, interesting. I had no tongue swelling, no nausea, no dizziness, no interesting, no throbbing pain, no shooting pain. Um, interesting. There was no swelling, no redness. Um, I could walk on it like mm. within five minutes. I was walking on it because I had to go check this goat like every hour. So I was walking on it all night, and it was not painful at all. I slept with the poultice on because, it, honestly, it felt so good. It was such a relief just to have it on there. I did not take any more echinacea or any other remedies or any other herbs, and wow. um, it was completely fine. I mean, no, like, absolutely no systemic reaction. I was completely fine the next morning. Um, you know, the first time I was, I felt like I was hungover. I mean, I felt toxic mm. for days. And it took several remedies. It took a professional homeopath. It took um, echinacea, like herbal tincture, which tastes like, Ugh. oh, my God. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> unless, unless, you know, you really have to take it straight. I wouldn't. Major gag it. reflex. It oh, is. really? Oh, yeah. My friend is a master herbalist, and she warned me that it will make you slobber. And she was right. It's awful. <laughs> that's a word. <laughs> I know. It's that's like the word of the day. You. It's yeah, accurate. that's a good word. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I'm, you know, I'm amazed because I don't, you know, I don't know tons about immunology, and maybe it's possible that you wouldn't have as severe as a reaction, but. I, 
That is not the way. I mean, I talked to some doctors, some MDs about this, and they were all saying you have to be really careful because apparently you're super, you know, yeah. sensitive to scorpions, although they're not yeah. lethal here. Right. Still, you know, reaction. Yeah. So, yeah, no, no, there is no red dot. There is no, no residual itching like everyone complains about with scorpions for days. <laughs> So I feel really confident that between the echinacea to neutralize the venom and just deal with the internal reaction, the traumera poultice really, I mean, it must have pulled the venom or some of the, you know, whatever those properties of that venom are out before mm-hmm. there could be An issue. any other reaction. It's it's so interesting that that you're telling this because about um, you know I go to San Antonio and do a clinic once a month and um, never even thought about scorpions and this past year um, I I had mentioned something to one of the the girls uh, houses that I stay at and um, and I said well what you know I never really thought about it but yeah I guess there's scorpions here I'm like oh yeah there's there's scorpions here and you know blah 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 and I'm like okay well um, I was like well. Um, where, you know, where do you normally see them? Like, well, sometimes you'll see them in the house, always check your shoes and whatever. Well, I, I said that no sooner the next visit I come, I'm in the bathroom and I see a scorpion, um, on the floor. And the thing that is oh, weird I about would have the, had a heart attack. Well, I, they're somewhat translucent. <laughs> And I had Burke, my dog, with me, and we're Ooh. going, we're, you know, we're going, you know, just running and then there, blah, blah. And I like stand, I'm like, huh. So then I call for my friend Rose, and she comes running in because I, I get probably more of a scream and um, <laughs> called, screamed, whatever. And I'm like, is that a scorpion? She goes, you idiot, give me your, your shoe. And she just like starts squashing it. I'm like, I was going to flick it with my finger. And she goes, oh my God. <laughs> well, anyway, um, so then of course I'm like reading up on it, and then I'm like looking, um, like looking in the bed and underneath the sheets and like everything and sure enough the next time i was there again in san antonio there's just one walking across the um the driveway and it's everybody said it's kind of the same thing because um i guess because it wasn't that much of a winter and it doesn't have something to do with it when it rains more there that no when it's too dry or something i can't remember but they're just kind of yeah and um i recently saw that there was a clinician there um and she posted on Facebook that there was a scorpion on her bed. So I think it's like, it's an epidemic. It is. But it's my biggest fear. Well, if you're prepared, Patty, it is, it's cake. I mean, I have told yeah. like all of my friends and family, like you need homeopathic echinacea and you right. need traumera. This is all you do. And it's, you know, it's easy. Oh, but that's so. just so like, little. So, so where does one get, uh, um, homeopathic echinacea in that yeah. strength? You know, I found it from um, the website homeopathyworks.com. Mm. It's for Washington Homeopathic. They're in West Virginia. Mm. I order a lot of remedies for my animals there. Mm. Okay. That's good. That would be a good thing to have in one's medicine cabinet. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Especially the snakes. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> just in case, you know, these dogs come across a snake. Now, I would definitely give it on the way to the, to the vet. Right. Right. Guess what? That's like an hour from me. 
Mm. So something better be working on the way. Yeah. Wow. Now, would you use um, Tremera on things like tick bites? Yeah, I think that's a knock on wood. Um, I haven't seen any ticks here. But I think that you know, anything that, you know, assuming you pull the tick out, it of course gets rid of most of the, you know, the irritation. But then that bite is a little bit open. So I think that would be a perfect time to put the Traumera on to kind of pull whatever, you know, irritants or toxins. Yep. Mm. I've put it on wasp stings and... Mm. On myself, I'm really bad mosquito bites that I just can't stop itching. Um, mm. One of my dogs stepped on a scorpion, so I slathered it on her foot and put a sock on it. Um, I, I've used it on the horses when they've had, you know, bites or, you know, just painful-looking, itchy skin stuff. Mm-hmm. It to be such... Yeah, it just gives them such relief. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's Ugh. great for, you know, the horses that are, they're just tired of being messed with. You know, things, yeah. they're tired of sprays and lotions and potions. and But they tolerate, you know, basically this mud, you know, this cooling mud, mm. you know, just on them. Because then you put it on, it's a thin layer, you leave them alone. Yeah. So they're good with that. Well, you just basically just shared my greatest fear. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, now she's alleviated it. But, but yes, but because I'm, we're we're going to go to homeopathyworks.com and yep. get our um, what is the strength that we want? You know, I used a really high potency. I don't. I used a ten m. Ten m. It's super strong. It's it's the big gun. So I only took one dose. You know, if someone were not experienced with homeopathy, they could buy like a 200. A 200 M? 200 C. 200 C, okay. Okay. Um, But, you know, it's so, it's, you know, I'm not a homeopath, but it is so specific for venomous bites. Okay. You know, what Mm. it's so known for. And the, the Tremera is not just clay. I know. <laughs> right. It just feels like clay. Tremera has colloidal silver in it. Oh, wow. Which is a you know, natural antibiotic. But what makes it really unique is the use of frankincense and myrrh. Because those two essential oils, not only, of course, being part of the gifts from the Magi, um, were treasured in the ancient world Mm -hmm. because of their ability to heal wounds. Mm -hmm. So um, I use that really old, old um, medicine and then combined it with um, carrot seed oil because it's a topical antioxidant. Oh, wow. I'm wondering about that. Yeah. And see, I thought she just made this stuff up. <laughs> I thought she just was Don't on a whim and she had some, <laughs> she just had some extra carrot seed oil on hand and she just dumped it together. Yeah, let's just <laughs> add some. <laughs> nope. Sounds like there's a lot of thought. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, okay. thank you so much, Lizzie. Yes, thank you. I mean, uh, uh, living with poisonous things, if they're scorpions or wasps or ticks or snakes, ha- having, you know, some remedies in our in our ca- medicine cabinet that we mm. can go to for our animals and ourselves is, you know, it, re- it relieves some of the stress. Of course, you're going to go to the vet. But if you can get things, get the body going in the right direction rather than just reacting to the poison, it it makes things so much easier for human and animal. Absolutely. It's not to say that I don't have Benadryl in my cabinet. Of of course. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But this stuff is amazing. I'm I'm so happy I, I had it with me. Well, thank you so much for sharing your Thanks, story. Lizzie. And um, Lizzie's company is Whole Horse Consulting. She helps with all kinds of animals, dogs, cats, goats, horses, um, from a, a holistic wellness perspective. So um, we all have a link to her website on the Healthy Critters website. So thanks again, Lizzie. Thanks, thanks Lizzie. Hello. <laughs> Hetty. <laughs> Hetty. Hi, Hetty. This is a phenomenal experience. I'm speaking into a box. Oh, you're a high tech puppy. I I'm not a puppy. You're a high tech, high class dog. Pomeranian. Yeah, <laughs> come right in. <laughs> Oh, God. And you're funny. That was good. (sighs) (laughs) Well, Jennifer has a question for you, Hetty. Oh, Jennifer, do ask your query. Oh, I'm so (laughs) excited to ask you this question. We just survived yet another 4th of July holiday. And it can be so very stressful for animals and humans. So we want to get some feedback from you. What, in your opinion, are... Good alternatives for holiday, 4th of July, celebrations besides fireworks. What should we be doing instead of fireworks? Adopting small dogs. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) And giving them cheese. And giving them cheese. Now, should should we be adopting these these small dogs? Are large dogs allowed to be adopted or just small? Well, I mean, obviously, I have a preference for a nicely sized under 10 pound dog. But if you prefer a small elephant to live in your home, who am I to tell you you're wrong? You are so open minded, Hedwig. Thank you very okay, much. Okay, so, so Hetty, you need to uh, come forward with how much you were tranked yesterday. Well, I servant understood that having me quaking in fear and jumping about a foot and a half off the couch every single time a firework was set off by our potentially inbred neighbors. (laughs) 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 We went and found a bottle of pills that had been prescribed for a dog who is now (coughs) and weighed five and a half times what I weigh. She broke the pill into tiny bits and shoved them up my snout. And I went <laughs> right to sleep. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. I spent my 4th of July in a 
well, let's just say blissful haze. Since <laughs> <laughs> 1960s. Mm. Perfect. I'm not judging. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, um, wouldn't it be nice if you didn't have to um, go into a coma? Uh, I mean, aren't there other thing, other ways that humans could celebrate the holiday without terrorizing dogs? And oh, horses? yes, I'm sure that that would be a special and fun addition to my life if people would stop lighting things on fire. <laughs> One okay. nice thing that people could do is for example, have a picnic, a quiet picnic where they fed their dogs cheese and ham and egg sandwich. Mm. And then spend time with their loved ones. What better way to remember our founding fathers than to mm. eat cheese? An American yeah. tradition. Um, another thing that people could do is Gather friends and family and try to sing the Star Spangled Banner on key. <laughs> on key. Also, very few people know the words. So this would be a sort of educational experience. Um, that could take some time, though, doing that on key. Yeah, but if, it's, if they Facebook Live it, it would be precious. <laughs> it would be so viral. <laughs> uh, another thing is people could read the Declaration of Independence so that when it is available, they actually know what it is. <laughs> oh, there's a thought. There we or go. We can do that. It's remarkably short, and none of the words are that hard, so everyone can understand it. There we go. <laughs> excellent there you points. Go. All excellent ideas. All indeed. excellent. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Oh. That's my, my thinking. Uh, family sing along with keys and a history lesson. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure that's going to catch on next year. We'll look for it. Yes. It's going to be a thing. It's going to be big. That's right. Bye-bye, Hetty. Bye, Hetty. Bye, and now it's time for the breed of the show. We are now at the breed segment, breed of the show segment, and um, I have chosen uh, to do a cocker spaniel. And interestingly enough, I don't know that much about them. <laughs> they're kind of an interesting. Uh, uh, they're so they're so cute. You got to admit, cocker spaniels are pretty cute. They're really they're cute. Um, so they have a sort of an interesting history, um, just for the fact that they really are now um, mainly known as a companion dog. They were originally bred um, uh, for um, field hunting of woodcocks, and they're apparently quite proficient in that. But um, they are now, just as everyone knows, I mean, they're just great family family companions, and they're really quite excellent with um, children. But their popularity has made the breed very, very difficult to get a good, a true specific, like what the, the, it was initially bred for type of dog. Um, and that's like one of the number one things that everywhere, any research that I've been doing is that they all say the same thing. Very hard, very hard to get what the breed is true to. You have to go to a good breeder. You really have to research. So they're, um, they're a sporting dog. They're about 24 to 28 pounds. They live anywhere from 12 to 15 years. They're the, uh, one of the smallest in the sporting group. They, um, they're descendant from the Spaniel family. Um, they believe to have been originated in Spain. Um, although, um, they obviously um, 
somehow got got to England, and we of course know the English, you know, cocker spaniel. Um, so this part to me gets a little confusing. Is there's the um, the American cocker spaniel and the English cocker spaniel, which they have today, and they've kind of separated the two breeds. Um, they consider them two varieties, I should say, as they also do within their colors as we all know that pretty cute little buff color that we all love um like in lady and the tramp um they um they tend to um um they but the the breed has many many different colors i mean there's almost there's too many to mention but they separate a lot of the colors um in different varieties and they could become um and this is the only part that I didn't completely understand. I don't know if that makes them English Cocker Spaniel or American Cocker Spaniel, but I will say they all have the same attributes, which are very lively, very energetic, um, actually easily trained, um, not very good being alone. Um, they really Aww. are very eager to please. Yeah, it was kind of funny. They, um, they, they, they talk about how great they are with kids, but they're not a good dog to be alone. They're very good to be in an apartment. They're great with other animals. They get along with cats, but they're just not very good alone, and they become destructive. And my sister had a cocker spaniel, and that's exactly what she told me: is that when she was left alone, or a lot of things, you know, changed in their life, they become a little bit destructive. And the number one thing is to kind of tear things up. Like my sister dealt with lots loss of shoes. Um, but because they're so sensitive, you have to be very careful in their early training. Um, and this is in all the dog breeds I've researched so far. This is really one of the the most sensitive dogs, which I just didn't know. Um, I just didn't know they were the sensitive, but not sensitive in a bad way. But you just you can't be too stern. They're very easy to train, very e- easily influenced. Um, but you just have to be careful because if you train them too sharply, then they become um, too submissive. Um, so. Um, anyway, um, one of the neatest things I like about them is that they just have the most beautiful coats and Tigger, you've never had one at Cocker Spaniel. No. Um, but they just have the most delightful, soft heads and coats and you can get them. But our mutual friend has Cockers. Oh yes, that's true. Our mutual friend Carter Bass has, has loved Cockers. No. No. Who? No, PETA. Oh, Peta! Oh my gosh, I wasn't even thinking of Peta. I told, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. And she's always loved hers. Um, and I think that they, um, that's, and they make great farm dogs, which Peta is a good proof yeah. of that. Um, and Peta's always been very smart. She's always got them from excellent breeders. Excellent breeders. Um, what else? Um, they're actually good in hot weather and cold weather. They're just kind of a good all around dog. Excellent with kids. I think I've mentioned, um, they um, they are good apartment dogs for the the point that they don't they have to have a little bit of activity but not a lot of activity as we know there are some breeds that just won't do well well in apartments. Right. <laughs> um, but all in all, I think that they um, they are a good dog to choose for a family um, that um, wants something that's good with children. Will bark when needed, like not the best uh, you know um, watchdog, but definitely will make noise. Um, good with other animals, great with kids and, and just loves people extraordinarily loyal, which is a good, I, I, I always think of Carter with Gracie, but I guess Gracie was actually just a, she was, she was a golden retriever. Wasn't she, she was now? a but golden cocker yeah, mix. God, that's what she was. That's right. Which, and that's the other thing is with the popularity of the breed, they have done so many crosses like, you know, cockapoos and, 
um, and, and all sorts of crosses, the new designer breed things that they do. And I think that that's really hurt the breed mm-hmm. as far as, you know, finding good breeders. But great dog. They're easily socialized. I just, I mean, they're they're not one that I've thought that I've ever wanted, but um, I just think they're just such cute dogs. And there's so many different colors, like tons of different colors. So good. They're good. They're a great family dog. In Critter Nutrition today, um, we're going to talk about poop. <laughs> um, <laughs> horse people are unique in many ways, but mm-hmm. among our various and interesting quirks is our obsession with poop. <laughs> Typical is a non-horse person coming to a barn, wrinkling their nose and asking, what is that smell? A horse person cocks his or her, her head and responds, what smell? We recently hired a young man to help us on the farm. He wanted to learn to muck stalls. I felt instinctively protective of stall mucking because it affords me the time and focus to assess the amount of urine and quality of the manure. Of course, horse people don't confine their poop obsession to horses. Poop obsession includes any and all of the animals we live with. It also includes our own personal manure. I never had children, but I can imagine being absolutely consumed with the quality and quantity of my child's poop. A thousand-pound horse produces approximately 50 pounds of manure per day, which is roughly the equivalent of 10 tons per year. For me, manure is part of soil regeneration, and composting it or spreading it is key. In countries like Holland, the manure is taken away and made into a liquid fertilizer, which is then returned and spread on the land. It's a brilliant recycling method. You have to know what normal is for your horse. Each horse is an individual, so knowing what normal manure is for your horse is really important. Normal manure for most horses is not nearly as smelly as cat or dog poop because horses are not meat eaters. I remember walking into a barn in Wellington, Florida, and a horse being led in from the arena by a groom. I was a good 30 feet away when the horse stopped and defecated, and the smell rated 10 on the toxic need-a-gas mask smell meter. The manure was loose, but not to the extent of cow patties. Is this manure normal for this horse, I asked the groom. He nodded. Turns out I needed to ask him in Spanish, because I didn't know he didn't speak English. When the owner walked in, I showed her the manure and asked her if this was normal for her horse. She said, yes, his manure has been that way since we went on XYZ feed a year ago. When we changed the feed, the gas mask toxicity smell went away. The consistency of the horse's manure went from sloppy to well-formed, the new normal. There are several conditions that can cause too wet manure. The infectious variety from bacterial infection, such as salmonella or colostrum difficile. Diarrhea can be the result of hindgut ulcers, internal parasites, response to certain antibiotics, or management related to diet change, new spring grass, too much protein or too much fat, and adding a new supplement. Parasites. Specific parasites such as roundworms, strong strong giles, and tapeworms can cause diarrhea as well as weight loss, colic, and poor coat quality. 
These parasites are developing resistance to multiple wormers. And because there are no new dewormers or new classes of dewormers in development, routine fecal egg counts are now an essential part of the management of our horses. In this way, we can specifically target parasites with the available wormers and avoid resistance by worming based on the old guidelines of worm horses on a six to eight week schedule. Manure that's too dry. Drier manure balls can indicate lack of hydration, which could lead to impaction. To help increase hydration, I have found that the horse hydrator helps many horses drink more water because it filters out impurities including heavy metals, pesticides, and herbicides. Wet food can also help with hydration. Sand in the stool. Horses that graze on sandy soil pastures or in sandy dry lots with hay can get sand in the intestinal tract, which can lead to impactions in sand colic. An easy way to test for sand in the GI tract is to take a clear rectal exam glove, add some fecal balls and water, shake it, and let it settle. If sand is present, you will see it in the fingers of the glove. To help clear the sand from the gut, chia is an excellent source of insoluble fiber like psyllium that helps to move the sand out of the GI tract. Stool color. Brown, green, even reddish-brown fecal balls from a high beet pulp diet are the common variations of equine manure. Too much vegetable oil can cause a grayish, oily color. The colors to be concerned about are red or manure balls with spots of blood and the manure that is black. Black feces are extremely uncommon in horses, but in either case of red or black stools, call your veterinarian. Healthy gut, healthy manure. To maintain a healthy gut and produce healthy manure, it's important to, number one, add probiotics if your horse is on antibiotic therapy. Never give probiotics at the same time you administer antibiotics. If your horse is on antibiotic therapy for a week, you will want to continue probiotics for a week after antibiotic therapy. If your horse is on antibiotic therapy for three days or 30 days, continue probiotics additionally for the amount of time your horse was getting antibiotics. Make sure the probiotic you use has a minimum of 100 billion CFUs, that's colony-forming units, per one or two servings. The gut cannot be colonized with less than 100 billion CFUs, and in some cases may need upwards to 400 billion CFUs. Number two, horses under stress may need additional probiotic support, i.e. from shipping, trailering, competing, moving to a newborn. Three. Use cooling probiotics, those that are active lactobacillus or bifidum strains, for horses with loose stool and diarrhea. Four, horses with hindgut ulcers benefit from cooling probiotics that contain MOS, which helps to regulate the pH of the hindgut. Five, use warming probiotics, those that are active yeast strains, for horses with hard or dry manure. Six, Use warming probiotics for horses that need to gain weight. Seven, to keep horses hydrated at home or away at clinics or shows, use the horse hydrator to reduce the chances of impaction and help hydrate the GI tract. Eight, give your horse two weeks to change over to a new diet and thus reduce the chances of GI tract imbalances. When giving non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, pay close attention to the horse's manure output as a reduced amount of manure could be an indication of problems in the GI tract. 
Knowing our horses means knowing our horses poop. (laughs) Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. And we've arrived at Coffee Clatch, and uh, we have an interesting topic today. Dog breeds that best represent various musical genres. Rock, pop, heavy metal, jazz, blues, classical, and rap. Mm-hmm. So, Patty P. Yes, ma'am. What do you have for the breeds that that you would associate with rock music? <laughs> um, I chose Tigger. A kuvas. A kuvas. I can oh, look that up. Well, it's That's a cool name. Hurting is, dog. But isn't it a cool name? I. You know what? My ex-husband had a kuvas. No. Oh. I just thought um, I went with it because it was so different, and I just thought it was the coolest name. And it just um, – I've never uh, – again. Oh, that's I've a never... good reason to go with a, a yeah. dog breed for rock music. Cool name. Absolutely. Yeah. It looks yeah. a little bit like, like the a Great Pyrenees. It does. A little bit, a yeah. little lighter type, yeah. Yeah, it's big and white and fluffy. Yeah, Cut. Yep. they're mm-hmm. very protective. Uh-huh. Very, very guardian breed. Interesting. Yeah. Tiggy, what do you have? Um, I have Australian Shepherd, Australian Cattle Dog, and Border Collie. <laughs> All for the same. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's good. Well, those breeds just seem like rockers to me. They seem like rockers, I would agree. What do you have, Jennifer? Oh, which one's my rocker? Let me find it. I have so many on here. Oh, my, my rocker is a Bedlington Terrier. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good. It's that's little, good. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're I like that. Weird looking. Yeah, they're weird looking. Kind of rockers. Kind of. Well, they're, uh, yeah. they're a very normal looking dog, but they give them a haircut so they look really weird. And that's what rockers are like. Mm-hmm. Like Gene Simmons looked like a normal guy when he's not made up. Yeah, but they're more, he's more heavy metal than rock. Yeah, but then, you know, that's that's just, he's he's a rock. He's still rock, (laughs) right? And I hear, I hear Star Wars in the background. Uh, yeah, that's, I just turned my phone off. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If John Williams was a dog breed, what would he be? (laughs) (laughs) Um, pop music. What do you have, Jennifer? I went a little bit crazy on this one because I started down. Okay. That, I started down that uh, path. I have a pop band. I have a boy band, and uh, my boy band is is the dog version of Hanson. Uh, Isaac is a Vishla. 
Taylor okay. is a golden retriever, <laughs> and Zach is a German wire-haired pointer. <laughs> she put a lot of thought into this. A lot. I'm really impressed. Yes. I, I just very impressed. Yeah. Okay, that was good. What did you have, Patty P? I have an Akita. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. I had okay. golden retriever. Okay. Pomeranian. Uh huh. And corgi. <laughs> corgi. <laughs> well, I'm thinking of like Barry Manilow pop. Yes. You know. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Barry, oh, Barry Manilow would totally be a corgi. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, that's so funny. That's very good. <laughs> okay, Jennifer, what do you have for heavy metal? Oh, my heavy, I have, again, I have a band. Ah. I have a band. Oh, wow. Um, I have a Tibetan Mastiff on drums. Oh. And a Tibetan. Excellent. Yeah, that's the one that looks like a lion. Right. Um, on on bass, I went with a Yorkie. A Yorkie? Oh, my gosh, that's great. That was good. That's good. Uh, Irish Wolfhound off to the right playing keyboard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's and good. Of course, Lee Vogels has to be a foxhound. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that's and nobody good. can sing like a foxhound. <laughs> True. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, that's so funny. It, what did you have? For heavy metal, huh? Carrie Blue Terrier. <laughs> oh, excellent. Right. Excellent. I mean, I don't even need to explain why. Yeah, just, just, just Google Carrie Blue Terrier. Terrier. Yeah, you'll understand yeah, exactly yeah. what that is. I just, I just dropped the mic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mic drop. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I had Rottweiler, mm-hmm. Jack Russell, and an English Bulldog. Oh, English Bulldog. That's good. Yeah. English Bulldog is um, meatloaf. Meatloaf. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The terrier is... Who's the terrier? I was thinking Motley Crue. Motley Crue. Yeah, that would work. ZZ Top. But they, but that's not heavy metal. No, you're right. That's not really... And Rottweiler, anything in a black leather jacket with chains. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> True. Oh, that's too funny. Okay, Patty, what did you have for jazz? Again, just one, and it's a Saluki. Smooth jazz. Hmm. Are you looking up a Saluki? I know it's what per- a Saluki is. It's perfect. I can totally see a Saluki <laughs> being a jazz, yeah. Yeah, no, it's perfect. <laughs> I just, I just seems totally like a jazz type of dog to me. It, it yes, I can definitely see that. Yeah, you have to you have to kind of you, you have, have to, to look think at, about it for a few seconds. Yeah, you do. You really do. You really do. But I just thought I love that one. And what did you have, Jennifer? I had the Bouvier de Flanders. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. Okay, that's a good one. I had the Bernie's Mountain Dog, <laughs> the Pekingese. And the Newfie. <laughs> the Newfie is, is Thelonious Monk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm looking at a picture of Thelonious Monk right now. He, he would be a Newfie. Definitely. <laughs> Just, <laughs> fuzzy. Yeah. This is fun. 
<laughs> yeah, this is good. This is good. Patty, what did you have for blues? <laughs> Basset Hound. Me too. You did not. Did you really? I, yes. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's well, just kind of a no-brainer, Let's just make right? it uma- unanimous then. I did too. <laughs> oh, did you? Yes. Did you have any anything else? Just the Basset. I yeah. had Old English Sheepdog and Sharpay. Oh, that's funny. There you go. <laughs> Jennifer, what do you have for classical? Classical, I kind of had myself a little ensemble. Mm. Awesome. I had the... Who's on a- strings? The, on, on strings, the Afghan Hound. Ah, mm. yes. Yes. Uh, on... Um, Horn? Per- percussion was my Ry- Weimariner. <laughs> and I really stepped out in in um, in the brass section. I had a chow. <laughs> wow, you're so funny! Oh God, that's good. This now, was what did you have, Patty? Gifts, you know, for for classical. Uh huh. A borzoi. A borzoi. Oh, totally right. Yes. Oh yeah. Thank yeah, you. He would sure. probably be. He would probably be the conductor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Very dignified. Yes. They, no, they refer, to, they refer to them as a canine nobleman, you know. There you go. Mm-hmm. What were you um, going to say, Tigger? I'm sorry. I, I, I think I have the conductor. Okay, and? The, the standard poodle. Oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah. But, he, I, but he, loves the, he loves the spotlight. I think he would be first violin, and he would tell everybody he's first <laughs> over and over again. Over and over again. Yeah. I also have the Italian Greyhound and the Miniature Schnauzer. Oh, okay. Oh, the Miniature Schnauzer would be playing the piccolo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's good. He'd play the pic- piccolo and he'd be out there going to town on the dance of the Sugar Plum Fairies at Christmas time. Yeah. We should do this with the horse breeds, too. Can you imagine? We'd have a... Bl- <laughs> She'd have a whole band set up. <laughs> And what did you have for rap, Patty? Commodore. Boy, you really went in a very mm-hmm. specific direction. I did. I was kind of proud of myself because I, um, but that's, oh, that's kind of good. Perfect. Yeah, God, right? It's perfect. Thank you. Because <laughs> I was going to say pulley first and I thought, no, Commodore. Or, you know, the pulley would work too. Right. Well, they're very closely yeah. related. What did you have, Jennifer? Completely uncreative. I had a pulley. You, you did, what? yeah, a pulley. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's see, great minds. I went in a totally different direction. And <laughs> Siberian Husky. <laughs> okay. Boxer. Boxer. I totally see that for rap. Yeah, I absolutely. Can totally, yeah. yeah. And Chihuahua. Chihuahua. Oh, <laughs> a rapping Chihuahua. <laughs> Uh, what what's that little guy's little Wayne? Who's a rapper? Little yes, Wayne. He'd little be a little Wayne. Chihuahua. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Okay, that was good. That was good. That was good. Oh my goodness! All right, so we're 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 calling everybody out. We want to find out what uh, dog breeds represent which sorts of music in your life. So yeah, put those. Yeah, over, let us know. Put them over on on the Facebook page. Where can they find build, the Facebook build page? your build your own band. Build your build own band. Your I love band. it. Yeah, build your, yeah, build your own band. And uh, <laughs> put that over on the Facebook. Where where can they find the Facebook page, there, Tigger? On Facebook. 
Well, what's it called, Digger? Healthy Critters Radio. On Facebook. Go over there and like it. And build your own band and maybe toss a couple of pictures in there. We'd love to see Build your own band. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Do some band band building. Well, we uh, we went over rap music, so now it's time to wrap up this show, ladies. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. And thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. (laughs) 